Welcome to Uplifting Humans, where we honor, empower, educate, and inspire the listener. I'm Solyndran Buller, your host. Our guest today is Kia Baker, the creator and host of the Female Veterans Podcast. She holds an MBA in finance and in accounting, is also an alumni of the Milton Hershey School. She served in the U.S. Navy and spent 20 years helping other veterans make the transition from active duty to civilian life. Her passion is for empowering women and veterans while sharing real female veteran stories and helping in many, many other ways within the community. Welcome, Kia. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, well, this is really, really an honor to be able to uh, interview uh, someone that I call a mentor. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I've got hormones racing, I've got butterflies in the stomach, but I'm so glad that uh, you've taken, it, uh, taken out this time. So thank you. How's your day been so far? Beautiful, amazing. Great, great. Okay, so I know that you're a mother, an entrepreneur, a podcaster, coach, and uh, you know, you are wearing so many different hats. You give selflessly to the homeless. You share um, other things that you're doing just in our audience. Uh, um, if you could just express that, uh, share with us all the different things that you're doing so that the audience has a real picture of who I consider uh, superwoman. Oh, that's really lovely. I, I actually really love to coach. And so working with the London Real Academy has given me the opportunity to touch a lot of lives and to help facilitate a rapid growth transformation within people. And that is such a gift. That's such a blessing. Um, in addition to that, I'm a, I'm a newly single mom of two boys who I adore more than anything. And um, so I'm adapting to that life. And uh, I also created and host the Female Veterans Podcast where I give a platform to female veterans to share their story with the hope of diminishing the culture of silence surrounding our active duty experiences because you just don't hear about it. The public doesn't mm -hmm. hear about it. And in fact, the perception of the veteran is still largely considered male. So we're breaking down those barriers at the female veterans podcast we're changing those perceptions and we're we're standing in our power and in addition to that i am the co-host of hot topics live and hot topics the podcast which is the podcast form of hot topics live where we interview podcast hosts and influential people who can share their value with the community with the with the global community in order to put some good out into the world, um, raise the vibration, you know, the planet and just share positive energy with everyone whom we can come in contact with. And we talk about everything. In fact, we're always looking for topics to discuss. Um, for example, today we're going live at 9 p.m. Eastern and we go live on every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And we have a topic this week of relationships because it's Valentine's Day tomorrow. And all month long, we have been talking to people about relationships and, um, you know, advice and strategies and how to effectively communicate and create beautiful, loving relationships. So that's one thing that we're doing. And next month, we're doing strong, empowering women. So it's just 
an incredible experience to be able to talk to people and learn from them and share their value with the global community. Um, and in addition to that, I just returned from Kansas where I uh, shadowed an organization, a not-for-profit who is uh, who has created a home for homeless male veterans, mm -hmm. and they graduated uh, 90 male veterans and helped them holistically transition from homelessness back to thriving in life. And oh. it's such a beautiful organization that yes. I wanted to find out everything that they do and everything that they're doing in order to create one for females out here where I am in Washington state. And so I've got a year and a half projected timeline to create this not-for-profit that will be called Artemisia and we'll provide a home where we can take women in off the streets and re rehabilitate them back to thriving in life. And um, so that's a big vision for me. In addition to um, working with them to help bring Homefront to life, which is a veteran home community, it's a neighborhood where they will be taking homeless veterans, and males, females, and families off the street and helping them through this gated community get the resources that they need to return to, to life, to thrive in life, and provide a home for them, an actual cottage home in a all veteran community with a playground and a dog park and just an amphitheater and a resource center. And then nice. um, this is on 53 acres in Wichita, Kansas. And then there's another set of acres, I think 19, where they're gonna have hospice for senior and nursing care for senior veterans that they can get off the street or that need to come out of homes where they're not being provided for, they can't afford, they'll have a place to go. And the mission is so beautiful that I could not help but get involved with that. And so I actually spoke before the mayor um, just a few days ago to help ensure that they would get a grant from the city to help them build their mental health facility. So, I mean, this project is huge. And these two women, um, Jennifer and Susan from Passageways in Kansas, have just this grand vision where they just, it's a grassroots campaign to raise this money to build this facility, this, this, this beautiful place for veterans that has a safe room for, you know, veterans that have PTSD. And it's just yeah. such a beautiful thing to be a part of. So that's pretty much everything that I'm doing in addition to, you know, coaching. Wow. I mean, that, and there you go. I'm sure everyone in the audience is just thinking, how do you fit all of that into a day? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, more power to you. I'll tell you, if everyone stepped into those big shoes, just like you, we, the, this, this world would be a different place. And I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, amazed at what you can do because, I mean, you've got two boys and they're young. Yes, 13 and four. Well, there you go. So you've got a 13-year-old and a four-year-old and here you are out there in the community, you know, shaking it up and making sure everyone's taken care of. Like, how beautiful is that? So you're involved with all of these organizations. And I, I know that at one point you shared with the audience that... Um, you bring a lot of the stories of the veterans forward. Can you share something that really sticks out after, you know, all the episodes that you've done that even to this day, you know, is still there with you, a part of you? All of them. All of them. Wow. Every single story that I hear sticks with me. Wow. Especially 
especially the sad ones. Mm. Every, every woman that I speak to leaves a piece of advice. Yes. And that advice is amazing mm. to help another sister who's coming behind them because you never know if your story might be someone else's survival guide. So the advice is a crucial part of the show. Mm-hmm. But every story leaves me with something. And every one of these women that I speak to touches my life personally. And um, there are a few that sometimes keep me up at night, um, just thinking about some of the horror stories and realizing that these things really do happen to people. They happen to women. Um, uh, Season two, episodes uh, eight and nine are my dear friend, Christina's story. And she is right now, on hospice or she should be, she's not, but she should be in hospice because they don't know when she's going to pass away. Mm. But um, she's an incredible human being. She's an incredible woman. She's been fighting tirelessly to make the public aware of burn pits and how they affect the human body and how the government has been sort of denying the impact of service members who have worked in an environment where they're, they've been burning garbage or burning feces 24 seven. And Mm -hmm. so she was, um, she was worked in the galley. So she was a cook and she worked in this environment um, after 9-11 in Balad in Iraq. And, um, and not only was she, is she a survivor of a brutal um, military sexual trauma what she shares very candidly. Mm -hmm. Um, She was then bullied and harassed um, within the service um, Mm -hmm. by her own unit, uh, her Mm -hmm. own superiors, um, who turned her from the victim into Mm -hmm. a perpetrator and shamed her and victimized her until they completely kicked her out of the military. Um, They just sent her packing. Uh, and after that, she was not eligible for health care. And so when the symptoms first started um, arising from the, in her lungs, she wasn't able to get care, proper care. Uh-huh. Uh, and then when she finally, she's a fighter, so she kept fighting. <laughs> and she finally, little by little, began to get the care. She was, they changed her discharge at the Department of the Army. So they recognized her as having served so then she could get care, but she could only get care for the military sexual trauma. And then she had to fight to be able to get full medical benefits to find out what was going wrong with her lungs, at which point she was told she had asthma. And then it turns out, of course, to make a very long story short, that she has cancer. She has a condition where carbon monoxide builds up in her lungs. So that's going to slowly suffocate her. Her trachea is collapsing. And all of these things could have been um, sort of more properly managed had she just gotten the care she needed, had she just not been discharged the way she was. Like this, these things that happened, they cost her her life, essentially. And, um, and it's just like with Agent Orange, the government in general sort of swept it under the rug and she's been tirelessly to this day is still fighting to get bring awareness and to change things for other veterans because that's what we do we continue to want to serve after we've served so um 
and and that sticks with me that sticks with me all the time just children my children's age and to think that she's a woman whose life is lost um and she continues to fight and um and she was treated like a liar the entire time so that's what really caused a lot of this to be worse uh, that's one. There was another story of a girl who served for only one year. Um, during that time, she was harassed by a superior um, until she had a breakdown, at which point within a few months, she was sent out of the military because she had a breakdown because of the stalking and harassing behavior from her superior. And um, for the next 25 years, she struggled with the trauma of what happened to her. It had been her dream to be in the military. She wanted a career. It was destroyed by a sick man, and um, and it 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 just it was the first time that I ever sort of lost my temper <laughs> because I thought, oh my God, here was this girl at 18, 19 years old, one year in the military cost her the next twenty five years of trying to heal a trauma. Where do you think, Kia? Where do you think that um, these perpetrators, you know? where are they coming from when they're doing these things? Like, it seems like that the, the more that you hear, the more that is revealed and that this is almost like an ongoing common thing and nobody's doing anything about it. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think it's one in three now was oh. one in four, but one in three women are um, survivors of a military sexual tra trauma that has been reported. I talked to a lot of women, um, several that I've interviewed um, on the show, and so I have women that come and talk to me in private as well. They they're not ready to share on, on the show. Yeah. And from what I've heard, um, there are so many that don't even report because they see what happens to other people. Yes. when they do report so that they don't want to report it you know and that's a whole nother set of trauma that then they have to deal with on top of the trauma because they didn't get their justice you that's know? right because so um yes exactly so um it's it's so common <laughs> it's it's disturbingly common but at the same time big government is trying to make changes it's just that it takes a long time to trickle down to the bottom. And also, it, there's been so many years of this good old boys, male dominated environment that it's really an ingrained part of the culture mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of being in the military. Yes. You know? Yeah. So it, it's just, it is really, it is really something that needs to change and it's slow going mm -hmm. for the changes. Well, and the, and the thing is that it's going to take uh, a lot of courage. It's going to take leadership. It's going to take individuals like you that are there to support um, these women because you're very, very vulnerable. And especially when you have children yourself, you imagine, um, you know, you could probably take the heat yourself, but how do you, how do you help the children, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a, a whole different uh, ball of wax. Now, some of the other work that you're doing, which is uh, helping the homeless and stuff, can you touch on that a little bit more, please? Yes, well, um, last year, I decided that I wanted to do more 
for the veteran community because my kids were, my baby was about to start school. Okay. And my oldest was headed into eighth grade and would soon be in high school. And my baby will soon be in kindergarten. And I realized that I had time on my hands after being a stay-at-home mom. I, when I was, stay, while I was a stay-at-home mom, I pursued my degrees and yes. my graduate studies. Yeah. And I knew there was going to come a time where I was going to re-enter the workforce um, and what I considered my encore career right? After being a stay-at-home mom, I left corporate to, to do that. And I, I just felt like it was time for me to do something. So I met with my business mentor and we were discussing what I would do as I wanted to share more about female veterans. And I'm passionate about helping female veterans, helping my sisters. And we went to the vet center in Los Angeles and Culver City, and we spoke with the outreach coordinator there, a lovely lady named Sharon. And she told me that if, if there was something that I was going to do for female veterans, you know, more than passing out food, because we were just going to go out and pass out food that day. Um, she said, give them a voice. She said, because we don't get donations for the females. Mm-hmm. When we go to do our outreach work. We mm-hmm. have coats and boots and shoes and things for the men, but we just don't get the donations for the women because people don't think of women as veterans, even to this day. Wow. And you know, that was, that was 2019. (laughs) Okay. So I just felt, and I was so moved that I thought I have got to do something. So I decided that I was going to start speaking. Nice. The more I learned about speaking and public speaking, I learned that you needed to, um, you almost needed to have an audience already in order to really do that Mm -hmm. and be effective at it. So that's when I realized the podcast was going to be a way that I could start breaking down the perception of Mm -hmm. veterans being male. Nice. Mm -hmm. So much work, so much heart. It's just like you. I, I, I hats off to you. Thank um, you. Now, I know, <laughs> now, I know that you love quantum physics. I and do. <laughs> so can you share some of that? Because there's a lot of people that are out there. They don't even know what quantum physics is, let alone how do you apply any of that to your life? Well, I mean, there's two schools of thought on that. And there is um, quantum physics where you um, study um particles and energy waves on a subatomic level and it's total science but I love the part of how that applies to the law of attraction Mm -hmm. and it's the scientific if you will explanation of how that law actually works and um, we are we are all vibrating on a frequency we're all you know waves and we go from from at a subatomic level, there's waves and there's particles. So there's solid and energy and it goes back and forth. And on this level, there is a field of, it's called the quantum field of infinite possibilities, right? So and any potential outcome is already in existence. And we broadcast basically a signal um, by our thoughts of what we want into this field. And our feelings is what magnetizes that outcome 
back to us. And so that is so interesting to me. Yes. So I, I apply that in my life. I've, I became aware of it in my late 20s, which was a blessing. And somewhere along the way, I sort of lost that. But as over the years, I sort of worked my way back into the study of it um, through a huge, huge um, supporter of Dr. Joe Dispenza. So his work is incredible to me. Um, yes. Uh, Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, like all of these amazing thought leaders yes. that, um, that I just love their work. So I think probably Dr. Joe Dispenza breaks it down on a scientific, in a scientific way that I love probably the most. And just understanding that you can potentially shift your entire reality. Um, it's called shifting your paradigm by virtue of your thoughts is just an incredible thing to me. And understanding the power of the option to choose, the power and choice is just, it's something that you can really change your life. And it, it begins with knowing that you can create your own outcome and knowing that you, it's your choices mm -hmm. that will allow that outcome to happen. So for me, my life changed very rapidly because I wanted, I made a choice to change my paradigm. And that yeah. was the first thing. And the second choice I made was to really sit down. And my method is just sort of unconventional. I have to be in bed. <laughs> I have to lay down in bed for a, maybe a day or two, sometimes more, depending on what brought me to the need to make a decision to change. Usually it's pain. Pain is a great motivator. <laughs> and for me, that has usually typically been you know, my motivator to make a big change in my life. Yeah. And so usually when we're sad and depressed, we're in bed anyway. So that's kind of how it happens for me. I'm usually in bed and I just have to figure out what it is I want. Nice. I'm confused until I know what I want because I understand that once I know what I want, I can have it. Yes. I just have to be sure that that's what I want because sometimes you think, you want something <laughs> and then you get it. You're like, I didn't want that. <laughs> that was a bad choice or a to scrap it. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's just, I like to try to be sure before I try to attract something to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know what, sometimes you attract what you want and then later on you did want it, but then you realize you want something else. And, and it, it's just a process that you go through over and over again. But usually once I know what I want, Mm -hmm. then I can, I know that I can achieve that. I can make that happen. And mm -hmm. it's not just thoughts. So I don't want to make it sound like you just think something and then it appears. It's, it's the decision. It's the, the decision of what you want and then visualizing it and then creating an action plan to actually make it happen. And then following through with that plan and tweaking it if need be. But you can rapidly shift your paradigm by the po power that you of belief that you can that's right that's right because you're co-creating and isn't that beautiful that's right so i know that you had said to me that you love to dance to shift your vibrations explain yes. that why do you love to dance to shift that <laughs> well i've always loved dancing so that's the beginning and i probably had i known when i was younger that it was an option for a career i probably would have spent a portion of my life being a dancer for some 
singer or something going nice. on. Nice. But I do love to dance. I do love choreography and everything like that. But um, I think for shifting my vibration, I think dancing, I mean, you have to find something you love. So really it's anything artistic. Sometimes I paint. Sometimes I paint to shift my vibration. Oh, nice. Sometimes I journal or I read poetry um, or I'll read an amazing book that shifts my vibration. But dancing is my favorite because you really can just go into reckless abandon. You can really just put the music on and just get into the beat, get into the flow. And it's very flowy. So it's like um, moving energy, mm -hmm. it's moving the energy of your body because of the way you're moving. And, yeah. that, and that just shifts you. It just creates a powerful movement because you're changing your vibration as you're flowing through the music. Isn't that great? And I know that there's a real understanding out there that if you're in a happy place, you're able to create something much faster than if you're not in such a happy place. So mm -hmm. it's important that you're doing all those things that you're doing, painting, dancing, singing, whatever it is, that's awesome. Now, um, explain to us um, when you say embrace your divine feminine. Yes. Now, first, what is divine feminine? And then how do you embrace it? How does Kia embrace it? Okay, so we are, we are meant to be balanced individuals, right? And we have, you know, our light side and our dark side, you know, and so we have our, we're upside and our downside, you know, and we also have our masculine side and our feminine side of us. And characteristically masculine traits, you know, such as being goal oriented, going after what you want, being driven, being ambitious, ambitious, not backing down from a fight, like those things, those are typically male traits. Yes. And we have our feminine side, which is our softer side, you know, the side that loves to cuddle and loves, you know, to be pretty and soft and warm and nurturing, our like motherly side, you know, to us. So we have these two sides. And when they're out of balance, um, you can come across like if you're more a more male dominated person you can come across as maybe a little harsh. You can be, or you can be like, I like to say a woman of the 90s, which is when I grew up. And it was important to be this really strong, really powerful girl power type of woman who, you know, kicked down doors and took no prisoners and, you know, was hard charging. And that's, that was what you wanted to be when I was a teenager, when I was a young woman, right. is you wanted to be that woman. And that was great for me in corporate America. That worked really well, but sometime, somewhere along the way, my softer side got a little lost in that. Mm -hmm. And that ability to communicate in a gentle way and to be loving and nurturing and just in a softer and warmer way um, got a little bit lost in that because I felt like I couldn't, I didn't want to be taken advantage of and I needed to, you know, be strong. And I grew up in kind of a tough neighborhood in the city when I was in the city. And when I was in private school, I was in the country and I still had to be a little tough there. So, I mean, just by virtue of being away from home. So I grew up with this need of these traits that made me a harder person. Mm. And getting older, I began to realize that um, the world 
needs more nurturing. <laughs> the world needs more loving energy. And I am that, and authentically, I'm a loving person. I love to say I am love. That's like my quote. And I feel that if I don't channel that love out, I'll likely implode. So coaching and being a mom and doing things that allow me to share love energy in a soft and kind and warm and nurturing way mm -hmm. really feels good to me. That's what I need <laughs> to feel good. Yeah. So, and, and I believe that life is meant to feel good. We're not meant to be here to be miserable. You know, mm -hmm. we're meant to, to be able to be blissful and happy. And if you're not, that's like an indication that you need to look at your life and shift some things, shift your paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, the divine feminine is just that. The divine feminine is that part of us women being reignited at this time. For some reason, it's just the time is right for women to stand up, but maybe not in a hard charging way, but who we are as our divine beautiful selves with our warmth and our nurturing and our love and our compassion mm -hmm. and sort of put that energy out into the world to help it heal. Because obviously this male dominated world that we've been living in is not working very well. We're seeing all the traits of a lot of negativity. And I think, and this is just my opinion, is that it's time for us women to sort of step into leadership roles and, and use our male masculine traits to get us there. And while we're there, spread that warm, loving, nurturing energy to change the dynamic of the way things are run and actually bring a lot of healing to mm -hmm. the global community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Kia, seeing that you are a mother and you have two young boys, mm -hmm. um, have you spoken to them at length or even, you know, in conversation in bringing that loving, nurturing side out? Because I know it is so important that uh, a mother, especially with boys, brings that side. Have, has that ever come up in conversation? Um, absolutely. I love to teach my boys. I think it is, I'm trying to raise men. And being that we all have masculine and feminine, even males, they have a softer, warmer side that they are now, I think it's becoming more okay for them to lean into before it was. You can't cry. You can't show emotion. You have to be tough. And this is what generationally was passed down from from father to son, right? Or from even mother to son, because that's the way the world was. But I think for me I, and, and in the communities where I am, I'm seeing a change where it is okay for boys to have emotions and to feel their feelings and to be loving and warm and still have all those traits of being strong. And it's, it, I mean, it actually takes a bit more strength, I think, to be vulnerable. And it takes a bit more strength to like feel, be okay with showing and feeling your emotions. And it's difficult if you have a partner that is of a different frame of mind. So it's, it's a constant for me, um, it's a constant sort of undoing of another style of parenting. Right. And so I have to make sure that my voice is always in there as well saying, you know what, I understand that you're a boy, but you can cry if you're sad. And it's okay to talk about your feelings to someone you trust. And it's okay to just lean into that softer side of yourself so that they're balanced. So my journey is always to ensure that they are balancing and finding their way 
so that when they grow up into men, that they treat women well, they treat themselves well, and they treat the world in general, the global community well. And that's uh, that's a beautiful thing because it, it it takes one mother to do the best job possible to change uh, an entire generation because it is contagious. It is contagious, good and bad. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Share a story now of a moment in your life when you had a major awakening or felt that life was more than what you ever thought it to be. Well, I've had so many. But I will tell you, um, almost two years ago now, I was happily married. I was a stay-at-home mom. I, um, I was just living life. Um, and I think the first thing that happened was my mom passed away. And I thought to myself, I'm not sure if I'm happy. Hmm. That was the, the first catalyst for me. I thought, I'm not sure if I'm happy. I have degrees, I'm, I'm educated. You know, I'm not sure if I'm happy as a stay-at-home mom anymore. My kids are getting bigger. I need to start thinking about my next phase. I'm not sure that I'm happy in this. Um, I, just, I sort of felt like a maid, <laughs> which is fine, but that's not what, I, what I, my goal was for yeah. my life. Yes. Um, I felt kind of unfulfilled now that my babies weren't such babies mm. anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was just a lot of cleaning up, <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah. It was a lot of cleaning up. And, yeah. um, and I thought I was really happy, but I, some part of me had always wanted to, to do more with my career. And because I am a disabled veteran, um, health issues after I, I got pregnant with my first child, caused me to reevaluate and decide that, you know what, maybe it's better for me to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. And it was actually equally as hard. So that was a, a big awakening for me thinking, oh, since I'm not well right now, I should stay home and I'll just be a stay-at-home mom <laughs> and that'll be easier than going to work every day. Right. That was a mistake. <laughs> actually, I think going to work probably would have been <laughs> easier. But um but then after that, it was just a few months after my mom passed away that um, we had um, an incident happen in the home on the 4th of July. And it made me realize that I needed to change my entire life. Mm. I needed to leave my husband uh, and I needed to um, create a new existence for myself because I could not, from one day to the next, it was so sudden that I could not continue in the life that I'd been living. Are you so, able to share with us that, or is that something that you're not comfortable in sharing still? Well, what I will say is that sometimes you have warning signs that there's a kind of a ticking time bomb in a relationship and you don't want to see it. Yes. And when you do, you can't unsee it. Uh -huh. And so that's as much as I can really say with respect to my ex-husband and his family. Yes. But um, I had to make a shift. Yes. I had to change everything from uh -huh. one day to the next. Uh -huh. and, um, and there was no going back. So that's when my journey began. I laid in bed for five days. <laughs> And about the third day, um, 
I, something said, you need motivation. <laughs> you need some help. So I turned on YouTube and I typed in motivation. Okay. I needed a pep talk. Okay. <laughs> right? I needed, I need, and I couldn't go to my, like, I couldn't go to my best friend because she was affected. Yeah. Um, she was part of the situation. Okay. And I didn't want to go talking to a lot of people because I felt really humiliated already. You've, you've, you, so, I'm, I'm losing you. If you can come back to the microphone, we can hardly hear you. Okay. So I, I did, I couldn't talk to, um, I couldn't talk to really anybody about it because it was such a, I already felt very humiliated. So the best thing for me was to go outside. Yes. And so I typed in motivation and I realized um, that there was a lot out there. <laughs> yes. And so I, the first thing I chose was a YouTube show called Impact Theory. Okay. And the first episode I saw was Jordan Harbinger, who is also a podcaster. Yes. And I watched his episode and I saw that he had lost everything. He yes. built this show for 10 years. He's a podcasting pioneer. Actually, he's an incredible person, a very nice guy. And, um, and I thought, oh my God, this guy is really smart. And he lost everything due to some drama and yes. he had to rebuild. Yeah. And I was like, that's where I'm at. I have to rebuild. Yeah. And then I watched another episode and I think it was Joe Dispenza. And yeah. he was talking about shifting your paradigm. And I thought, what is shifting? What is shifting your paradigm? And I had to like li listen in. And then through there, I found um, the London Reel. Yes. And I started watching, you know, it came up on the side as some, a recommendation. And I thought, who is this guy? He's so well-dressed. <laughs> I'm gonna watch. Yeah. I'm gonna watch his show. Yeah. So I I clicked on that and I started watching that and it was just all these thought leaders and um I gotta say I think it's Tom Tom Bilyeu. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He gives one mean motivational speech. Like I clicked into some of his motivational speeches yes. and I could not stay in bed. Like I had to get up and start moving and start really thinking about what my next phase was going to be. So once I realized that I could shift my paradigm, once I saw an example of someone who had lost everything and rebuilt to a huge success, I, yeah. I got really motivated. I got really motivated. And, <laughs> and I'm decided, so glad you did because <laughs> the world needed you. It was waiting for you. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope that I can do great work and create change for people. The London Reel has really opened the door for me to do that on an individual person by person basis. Yeah. Even though it's eight weeks, yes. um, the rapid transformation of setting this goal and seeing it through and being accountable to create your vision and helping to facilitate that for people has been an incredibly surprising joy for my life. So yeah. I hope, I can make a positive impact by helping others. Listen, for someone who spent five days in bed, who had nowhere to turn and decided to get out of bed to, you know, go to YouTube for motivation. I mean, look at where you are. Look at the work that you're doing, the lives that you're touching. I mean, if someone were to do half as what half half of uh, what you're doing today you know what, you're, you're doing such an awesome job, such an awesome job. Now, I know that we had spoken about shadow work. Mm -hmm. 
and um, and you had said, you know, I, I was, you know, doing some shadow work and doing some integration, and I thought, you know what, we're going to have to bring that up. <laughs> we're going to have to share with the audience that's out there right now. If anyone's in bed, you better stand, stand up, start dancing, take note. Uh, so explain what shadow work is and how you integrate it. Well, you know what? It's, it's really about being self-aware. Mm -hmm. It's really about being able to face your own demons and face the things that are not quite, I don't know, um, not the happiest, not the, your, the darker aspects of yourselves, your, your own issues yeah. and being able to accept them and work on them, you know? And just and not avoid them. Not a lot of times we go through life. Um, I'll give an example. My favorite thing to do was to watch TV and to watch movies. Yeah. Some people, and that's not a bad thing, but my reasoning was it was an escape. Right. Okay. So there were emotions that I was not willing to face. So in order to avoid them. I every day watched a ton of TV, watched, and you know, I would do my housework and everything, but always the TV was on. I would um, watch movies every night with my husband. That was like a big thing. We would just eat dinner and we'd watch movies. We'd, we would talk to each other, but I mean, everything was like not, it was, everything was really superficial. Mm. We were both escaping our own inner turmoil for different things, different reasons. Yes. And um, the things that we were, the emotions that we were trying to avoid. Now, other people use drugs, other people use food or alcohol or shopping, or there's so many things that you can do to avoid the emotions that you don't want to face. So that is what I had to do that I had to integrate. I had to look and see within myself the darker aspects, the things that I was trying to avoid and actually give them a voice, actually journal them out, actually seek a coach, a therapist, actually do something, make a life change. For example, my first life change was I studied forensic accounting. I am seven classes away from a second master's degree in forensic accounting. And I had to lose a kidney a few years ago because of um, illnesses relating back to my military career. Right. And um, after I woke up from having that surgery, I realized that, you know, working for the Securities and Exchange Commission, doing financial fraud, fighting that was not the goal for when I was going to return to work anymore. Yeah, that was not what I, I needed. I had a greater purpose and I needed to find out what it was. And a lot of times I feel like if you are not living your true passion, if you're just existing, in life like I was, then you are squashing down some emotions of discontent. You're numbing. I was numbing with TV and movies, sometimes with food, sometimes with shopping, sometimes with alcohol, whatever yeah. it was, but I wasn't facing what was really going on with me is right. my point. Right. So when you face your shadow work and you face your darker self, you come to terms with those things. And maybe they, it's not to say that they go away necessarily, but you work on them and you come to terms with them. And it's always a process. It's always a work in process. Right. And the minute that you, you uh, actually shine your light on the shadow, it disappears. And so just bringing it into awareness 
has a shift and that's beautiful. So, and so the way you integrated that was that you went for therapy, you understood what you were doing and you understood that there was a process that had to take place. Yes. And to accept it and to just be okay that there is something there that, you know, that I, I'm not necessarily proud of, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to avoid it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to pretend that it's not existing because that's, that's, um, that's a different type of suffering, making yourself suffer. Mm-hmm. It's like self-sabotage in a way. Right, right. Now share a daily habit that you can't live without. Meditation. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to journal. Yeah. I love to journal too, but meditation I can't I cannot not meditate. I do too. I do um I'm I have a hard time meditating on my own, but a, a good guided meditation gives me new life and I start my day with two of them. Mhm. Wow. Now where do you see yourself in a year from now? Because I know that it it will be like out there somewhere. <laughs> I'm actually flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> I don't know what's going on half the time. But I really, I think that I'll be coaching still with the London Real Academy because it's just, it's sort of like a, a hobby that I love that pays me. I don't know. It's, that's the best kind, I guess. Right. But um, I love that. And I, I think that I will be a lot closer to having a home for female veterans um, opening up and being able to start getting my own um, homeless female veterans off the street and getting them through the program and graduating them back into life to help them thrive. I think that's a big part of my year plan, working on that, bringing that foundation, bringing Artemisia, the foundation to life. Um, In addition to that, I will be working on my podcast for sure. Yeah. I will have some speaking events that I'll be doing. So I will be speaking. Yeah. Um, and, oh, I, I forgot to mention that there is a small film that is just beginning on its process. And with any luck, <laughs> it will actually um, be, I guess, a little closer to production by that point. And so is this film uh, something that you have something to do with? Yes. Yes. Fill us in. in. (laughs) Yes. Um, This film uh, is my baby. It is um, probably going to be just something, a small budget film to put in festivals, but to bring awareness about female veteran stories and what happens to women when they serve. So it's the screenplay is in in works right now. And um, step by step, I'm just going to slowly walk towards getting this done and hopefully uh, it will bring awareness to what women experience while serving. How beautiful. Life beyond yourself. That is awesome. And uh, we're coming close to the end here, but uh, if you could give your inner child some advice, if you were to go back, go back to a time frame, maybe it was in your teens, maybe it was when you went through the big, um, awakening uh, in, a, in the most darkest, uh, difficult place that you were in, what advice would you give yourself at that moment? That's a really amazing question. Really amazing. I will tell her two things. 
Mm. I would say everything will be absolutely okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Stay Mm -hmm. strong. And remember this, you can create your own perfect life by the power of your thoughts. That's beautiful. Thank so you. if just know what you want and you can have it. Yes. That's what I tell myself. That's beautiful. I agree. Totally. Your greatest strength and your most challenging weakness. They're both the same. Okay. I, I love too much too easily. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that is something that's amazing again, because many people don't have the capacity to love. But in there somewhere must be a huge empath because only the person who's doing the amount of work that you're doing um, so incredibly out there that I can say that, you know, it, it is uh, an honor to, to know you and to walk with you, beside you, alongside you. It's, it's, it's amazing, Kia. I don't, I don't know what to say. That's, that's beautiful. What do you have to offer our audience? If they want to get a hold of you, if they need to know more about your work, how, uh, if you can leave us with your parting words and your contact. So first I'll give you where you can find me. Um, if you are looking for positive words, um, then follow me on Instagram on my personal account. And that's at Kiativity. It's like positivity, but Kia. So that's K-I-A, Tivity. And if you want to follow the Female Veterans Podcast, I am on Instagram at the Female Veterans Podcast, at FemVet Podcast on Twitter, and on my website, www.thefemaleveteranspodcast.com. You can check me out on Hot Topics um, for all sorts of interesting topics. We are live every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on our Facebook page, Hot Topics Live. And if you miss that, you can see a replay or you can catch the podcast at Hot Topics, the podcast on all the platforms, as well as the Female Veterans Podcast on all the platforms, especially iTunes and Spotify. And um, let's see, I think that's where you can find me. And I do respond to messages and DMs and everything usually as much as I can. Um, Leave me a comment, give me a like, a share, follow me, all of that good stuff and um, keep in touch with me. Um, And as for parting words, I just wanna say to everyone who is listening that um, you are loved, you are loved. And even if I don't know you, I send you love through my meditations every day. So I hope you feel it, it's all energy. And to you, Sal, you are an amazing woman. You are a guiding light in this world. Please do not ever lose that shine. I see you. My heart recognizes your heart. And I am so honored to have been a guest on your show. And with that, thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that brings us to a close. 
I'm Solyndran Buller, the, your host from Uplifting Humans, where we honor, empower, educate, and inspire the listener. Tune in to Uplifting Humans, and you can go to upliftinghumans.com to see oh, this wonderful interview all over again. And of course, we're also on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, thank you so much and have a beautiful day.